Welcome to our listeners again. Thank you for joining us. I'm Georgia Ellis, and I'm here to take you down another rabbit hole. And we're going to tumble together and learn more information uh, from another amazing guest. And I really can't wait to get curious with today's guest. We have Doug Wilson. So a little bit about Doug. At the age of 31, Doug was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumour. After undergoing a 14-hour operation and suffering extensive cranial nerve damage, he battled surgically induced meningitis, had to learn to walk again and faces lifelong complications, including single-sided deafness, permanent balance issues and facial paralysis. The story of how he overcame these challenges using diet, kundalini yoga and meditation is truly remarkable. Just over 12 months after his surgery, Doug set a Guinness World Record by becoming the first person to run seven competitive marathons on seven continents in under seven days. I need to read that again, I think. So seven competitive marathons across seven continents in under seven days. He has since gone on to run at elite level and now teaches how yoga and meditation play a key part in self-transformation and optimizing human potential. Let's get curious. Welcome, Doug. Hi, thanks for having me. That's an awesome bio, and I'm sure there's more to you than just that short little bio. I'm sure there's way more to you than um, those experiences. So let's, um, let's kick off with a question that I ask all of my guests, and this will get, help us get a real sense of who you are. And my question today is, I want you to imagine that I am a seven-year-old Alice wandering through beautiful wonderland and I bump into Doug and I look at you and I say what are you doing in wonderland why are you here what's your purpose how would you answer you that question of your purpose and why you're here to a seven-year-old girl try and keep it simple and say that we're both on the journey to looking for the same thing within ourselves with which i believe is understanding the truth of who we are and how we relate to ourselves and the environments around us i think it's a really easy thing to overlook in such a busy world so yeah saying to a younger person would definitely be just spend time understanding uh, the depths of who you are yeah I love that you say that spending time at understanding the depths because I don't think we can ever fully get there, to be honest. Well, maybe not in one lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there's a couple of things in your bio that was really, that got me really curious. And that was how you have used a number of different modalities to help you overcome your challenges. So diet, kundalini yoga, and I think meditation was the other one. So I'm really mm -hmm. curious around 
um, how, how that happened, how you came across those modalities um, as potential answers and ways to, to, to heal and overcome those challenges. So what was the story behind that? So the, the trigger for it was getting sick because um, prior to having my brain tumour, I was working uh, that fast-paced corporate lifestyle in London and New York. I was working in the investment banking industry as an enterprise IT architect. So I was a million miles away from those kind of things like yoga, meditation. There were things that I'd heard words, those words before, but I had absolutely no idea what those things were. And I just thought they're not things that I do. So they weren't on my radar. and I had a really interesting journey to having that come across my path and it was triggered by my illness because I had a four, I ended up having a 14 hour brain operation, ended up in intensive care, um, went through that uh, process of what people talk about when they have near death experiences, seeing tunnels and flash of light and all of that sort of stuff. And I just came out very changed and it's quite a long story, but I basically tried to rush myself back to the life that I knew, which meant that getting out of hospital, learning to walk again and getting back over to London and New York as soon as I can, I kind of came to the realisation that I got back there and hadn't really learnt the lesson that I needed to learn, so to speak, and kind of sat back at my desk one Monday morning in London and said to myself, I really don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't know why I went through all of that pain and suffering just to end up back in the same place that I started. I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to be there to begin with. So I was left sort of going, I need help, but it was the first time that I'd ever said to the universe or however you want to phrase it, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. I actually need a little bit of guidance, a little bit of help, but not that I necessarily said those words. It was more of a feeling that I finally came to that realization. And when I did, um, the way that my life changed in a really short period of time is actually mind blowing. Um, About three or four days later, I met a guy who was an energy healer. And I'd, again, I'd never even, I didn't even know that that stuff existed. And the next thing I know, I'm laying on his table in a small London clinic and he's doing this, you know, energy healing. And I'm sitting there the first few minutes, like laying up at the roof. He's got his hands on the back of my head. I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? What is this? This is just madness. Uh, and then bang, all of a sudden, somehow he got me into this incredible state and I had an amazing experience through that healing. There was a 90 minute healing. I thought it was 10 minutes and I came out and all, and the stuff that I experienced during that was very profound. And I came out of that wide eyed, feeling energetic, feeling clarity. And that was just the start of it. That was the start of knowing that there was something more to me than what I'd ever experienced before. And when I left his, his clinical office, He said, you know, just don't go back and just get into your normal day. He goes, pay attention to your mind, pay attention to your thoughts. And nobody had ever said that to me. Such a simple little thing, like pay attention to what your thoughts are. And I was like, what? And that was it. I kind of went back to the office. I couldn't log in. I sat back and I just, that what he'd said to me kept rattling around. And I just sat back and I started observing rather than just being like stuck in the monotony of, you know, life and just going through the processes. And that was the catalyst for me to start um, just exploring a whole different realm of human existence. And uh, that's like, I came from a scientific background working in computer sciences, obsessed with physics, quantum mechanics, uh, uh, astronomy, and all of that sort of stuff from a young age. 
And I just all of a sudden started redirecting that kind of energy and studying and things into the what would be deemed the spiritual aspects of life. And it was like I flicked a switch and about, I don't know, it was a really weird period of time. I can't put an exact time frame to it, but a few weeks later, I was sitting on an island in Greece, a private island. I'd ended up thinking, I came across yoga through this kind of studying spirituality. And next thing I know, I'm sitting on this island in Greece, private island. There's only about four other people on the island and two of them were yoga teachers. And all of a sudden I'm learning the practices of Kundalini yoga and meditation is integrated heavily into that practice. And I spent a week there. And again, that week changed me quite profoundly. And I came back, quit my job, bought a yoga mat and took up a practice that still to this day I've been very devoted to and have only grown with the practice. And in terms of what it's been able to do for me as a human being is immeasurable. Uh, I couldn't really put a, uh, words to it. It's more in the, what I share of my experiences. And I think it is, like we were saying at the start, it's an ongoing practice. I'm always getting to points where I just learn that I've, there's so much more to understand. And, and this is coming from, I've not been a person that got into yoga and meditation from a perspective of going to classes and studios. This was me. At one point, I was doing 10 hours a day of self-practice just on my own on a mat in my house. And um, yeah, I've got a lot of experience, but I still understand there's so much more to go. Yeah. I, um, I'm really curious to take a wide angle view of your experience because I know with the listeners that I have, um, a lot of them actually are in that, I'm going to use words that they probably don't want to hear, the corporate rat race. I, I tend to call them corporate captives. So what I'd love to do is understand what your life was like before being diagnosed with the brain tumour. So what was life like? So as you said, you were just, you know, it wasn't until you had this session with an energy healer that you actually realised that you can notice what you're thinking. What were you doing up until that point? What was life like before that? Uh, from a fun just touching on that point i was just living with a less state of awareness that's what i put it down with and i'm not by any means was my life bad i had a great life i mean i uh, was living in london new york traveling the world running marathons um in crazy places like antarctica like across frozen lakes in siberia i was tr just going around i was partying a lot so i was very into the kind of corporate function scene and part like long weekend vendors using lots of drugs and alcohol from a young age. But, you know, that's something I did all my life and it was definitely heightened when I was in London and working in that industry because it was so normalized. Um, working 10 to 12 hour days, I'm probably drinking four or five nights a week and taking drugs as well. Um, working on very intense projects, um, big deployment projects, uh, data center rebuilds and, you know, huge, like lots of things, lots of money involved in it. Living life a million miles an hour, uh, burning the candle at both ends with blow torches. And um, just, it was a blur, but I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I did a lot of great things, but I always had the underlying feeling of what's it all about. But again, I wouldn't, it's not like I would sit there and, ask myself that was just 
something that was always something always felt not quite right but i could never articulate that that you know whether you take the all the drugs and all of that into it like that's all going to play a part in in that feeling of not right but at a very fundamental level there's always that part of my being that would be like surely there's got to be more to my existence than this because uh, i'd have that realization hey i'm really successful i'm, I'm doing all these great things and but something doesn't quite feel right but until i had the experience of being able to step back and look more subjectively back onto that i would i could have stayed in that pattern all of my life until the day that i died and it would have been a problem it just meant that i wouldn't have maybe wouldn't have learned those things i needed to learn about myself and it's interesting how life works you can never see that's the thing like i'm looking back at it now with hindsight and it always makes it so much easier but i had to do so much work on myself to understand who i was and understand who i am and understand where i'm going rather than just going through life not understanding and not even knowing that i'm not understanding i know that might sound a bit paradoxical but it's kind of how it is you you kind of know but you don't know so you just get on with what you do know yeah so that's the, the thing that i was in it was very much if i look back at my say 10 years when i was kind of living over at times that just feels like it was one long day you know because it was so similar mm-hmm. even though i was doing all these cool little things they were all very much related to the same the same sort of process and the same you know it was just kind of like this linear trajectory that i was on and again i'm not saying that that's a bad thing lots of people live their life that way and have really great lives um it's just that when you get the opportunity to step back and see a little bit more depth to existence it's a really good opportunity to take because you can not only learn so much about yourself through developing that understanding you can then go on and actually make a huge difference in other a huge difference in other people's lives and i think there's a lot of value to that yeah you've mentioned a couple of times here how you started to be started to understand who you are and learn more about yourself so million dollar question what have you learned about well, you yeah i've learned there's definitely more to myself than what i once thought in terms of um, a depth of understanding of and I, I tread lightly when i use words like this but our soul or our spiritual essence because especially in the context of talking to people that are coming from the corporate space or whatever you know as soon as you use words like that you can instantly alienate people so mm-hmm. i try to actually steer clear of words like that but i definitely learned that and i got that from my experience of being in an intensive care but um bed in hospital um instantly knew that there was something more but it took a long time to to understand what that was um and i think that the best way for me to summarize is that before i had that understanding i lived life in a reckless way i had that attitude of well i'm going to die anyway i don't care um you know the world's falling apart anyway everything's broken so i'm just going to live the way i want and not really care so that meant that that attitude that i had within myself spilled on to other people because if that's the way i felt about myself how could i treat other people any differently um but again when i was doing that of course i never thought i was in the wrong so it was like learning things about that oh shit these are the reasons why i feel sadness or these are the reasons why i feel pain oh maybe other people have that experience too oh okay this makes more sense to me now um and yeah and that's an experience that i've only been able to learn nobody could 
I could never read that in a book. I could never, you know, have somebody specifically tell me that. I had to learn all that stuff myself and I got that. I learned so much about myself just by sitting in self-observation. We call this meditation, but yeah, but just by sitting down, understanding things. And the more I understood about myself, the more I understood about the world around me and other people. And it just makes life seem so much more pleasant or digestible i don't know that it's hard to find words for it but i went exciting (laughs) well yeah and well to honor life rather than being something that's like reckless i don't care i'm going to do all these drugs i'm going to burn myself out and run myself into the ground and i don't care about death i had that macho ego mentality of i don't care i'm i know what i'm doing um and then when i actually stared it in the face it was like oh no i have no idea and oh now i see the value and the preciousness of life and not from a sense of now i'm scared to die no now i'm want to live and value life not just within myself but within everything around me um that was probably the biggest fundamental shift to go from being somebody that was almost against life and actually just trying to kill myself i i see the way that i the way that i was taking it was so reckless and so careless and just so destructive um and it took a lot to heal from to to one to realize that and then to heal from that and i'd still say you know six seven years on i'm still going through the process of i'm definitely you know i've done a lot of work but i'd say there's there's still big elements of what i know that there's still elements of that that i'm working on Um, but to to put that into perspective i went from being this guy that was, if I didn't have a corporate job, you would have just considered me to be a drug addict, you know, and I wouldn't have known where I would have been buying my drugs from and all of this sort of stuff. I went from that to working with people in drug rehabilitation. So that's where I sort of see, you know, like that's what I learned, the value of, well, I could be that way and be destructive and pull other people down with me, or I could be this way and be a guiding light or a benefit to humanity. And that the choice is up to me and I've got to do the work to do either. They're both, both, both things require work, but what's going to be of more benefit and what makes life um, more pleasant to live is what, from my own experience is being more on this side of helping yeah. rather than just taking and being destructive. So listening to you now, I can sort of get a sense that there's been a real shift in your value system. So pre your challenge, um, one set of values, and then now it seems like they may have just morphed or changed. Are you being, are you able to articulate what you valued before and what you're now valuing now and what those differences are? I think it would have just come more around my values before would have been more selfish. It would have just been more about what I wanted from life. Um, in, In a sense of if anybody got in my way or I didn't agree with something, it's almost like you could just, burn that bridge or now I have just a lot more tolerance and a lot more compassion, I think is a good word to, to use. I, I would have had, I'm not, I paint myself to be as like this bad person. I, I always had these qualities within myself, but the good and bad qualities, right? They're always within me. It's now that I'm just more aware and I can do more work to balance the types of qualities that I think are going to be more beneficial to humanity rather than myself. Mm. I love I love that you say that because one of the things that I I teach with my clients is around 
um, the, our ability. And it's very much what you're saying that we, we always have, we have every single quality within us at, at our core, at our core, we can be anything, anybody. And it all depends on what volume, how much volume we, we give, or we want to activate on a certain trait or quality. So it sounds like you're in a way, and please jump in and correct me if you think I'm paddling up the wrong stream, that you've sort of dialed down selfishness and dialed up selflessness. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but I just see that the results that come are very different. Mm -hmm. um, the, the selflessness, um, it just, it makes me feel better. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm in a position now where, if you look at it from a financial perspective, I used to be very financially successful. I've not been in that industry for a long time. I'm now the complete opposite to that. And in a sense, almost struggling to get by, but a lot more happy within myself from what I do, even though going and teaching yoga and doing all these things, I invest a lot of time to that and the return is very small. Um, but it's more rewarding than what I used to do. So, because, you know, you see the connection you get with people and can change people and you can make a difference in people's lives. And you can't put a price on that in, in terms of the way that it makes me feel. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I see that that's... And, and But having said that, that doesn't negate the reality that we live in a financial world. And I'm actually at a point now where I've kind of come to the end of one point. I'm actually looking to get back into doing uh, other types of work, just purely from a financial perspective. Um, now that I've done what I feel like the work that I had to do in order to become a teacher, because that's a whole story in itself, because I used to be an extremely anxious person. And the idea of public speaking or any form of being in front of a camera or having to get up in front of people and say who I was, that used to be my biggest nightmare. So I had to spend a fair bit of time overcoming that. I've since become a public speaker and, you know, get up in front of people and teach all the time. So I kind of have got that skill now, but don't have that. So I'm trying to find that balance of financial stability and still wanting to teach and all of that sort of stuff. So that's why I say it's always a work in progress. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I've, I haven't, I've been on a journey, but not the same as you. I didn't have a massive challenge like you, but I did have, I'm going to call it an awakening where I realized, Hey, I've been living the life. I used to work in corporate in finance 22 years and mm -hmm. um, similar thing. And I spent a lot of time and it was one day I, I remember working. Um, so I worked in, in Melbourne, walking down Collins street to Docklands to head office of the building that I worked in. And walking down the the street i i saw all of these i just looked around me and i saw all of these people like little ants all going to work together to this massive big like anthill which was the building and i looked around and this little voice in my head said if you're walking with the crowd you're walking in the wrong direction and I went around going, I don't enjoy this. I mean, I enjoy it. I'm earning good money. I love the people I worked with. I was doing great work. I was using my skills, but I was not truly fulfilled. And so from that point on, I then decided I need to find a way out of here. So how can I do that? So similar, similar journey, but I just didn't have a massive health challenge like you did and didn't have a, I had a little mini awakening in here. And my life, my life really changed because of that. Well, it's an interesting thing. And I don't think 
I don't think how we come to the realizations that we come to is important. You know what I mean? Some people just need a little thing like what you're talking about, just a small shift in awareness. People like me that are incredibly stubborn need a big slap across the face <laughs> from the universe to sometimes have those realizations. Because even with everything I've been through, the amount of times I've still tried to force myself back to my old ways. And I always look at it as, as we can live in a kind of direct line with life and kind of serve the purpose that we're here to serve and things will run relatively smoothly. So if somebody's life is going you know, in a pretty linear direction and all, and they're enjoying it, they, have, they don't need to change it. You know what I mean? But if you're kind of dipping out here and you're getting these signals of like, you know, the universe is giving you a little bit of a tap here and there. And I've had this so many times in my life, the more you ignore it, the, the, the more violent those kind of slaps become. And you get to the point where if you're so far off the course of what you should be doing in terms of living a value, valuable life or just valuing your own existence. It's not, it's not that the universe is cruel and trying to punish you. It's actually tr always just trying to help you. Mm. And sometimes that it's the resistance that we kind of put up. So this is why I always say, if you have one of those really like just momentary experiences of realization and then you do something about it, that's always going to serve an individual well. It's when you have those realizations and you don't do something about it that's when it causes problems. And I still know that now. Every time I realize something and just sort of go, oh, I don't really want to realize that, you know? <laughs> I don't really want to know that. And shit, now I know that I have to do something about it. And it's, it sort of speaks volumes to also why there's so much instability in the world at the moment because we're having realization on mass now because of the internet. Real, we're on realization overload humanity at the moment. And we're having so much realization in such a short period of time, we don't actually have the amount of time to sit and digest and process it and turn the right realization into actualization. And so everybody's just kind of like getting this pent up, pent up, pent up, and we don't have this kind of relief or mechanism to turn it into new direction and change. This is why I think, you know, things like yoga, meditation, they are actually fundamentally essential to help guide us through this period of time it's we we need it and that's why it's the, the almost like the foundation for it. it's all there we just haven't learned to really channel and use it properly quite yet but mm. it's kind of heading that way yeah i've noticed just recently um more so because of the pandemic and so forth that uh, a lot of people are starting to realize that some of these some of these tools that you mentioned are quite valuable, uh, especially workplaces reaching out to, I've got colleagues that are yoga instructors and so forth and organizations reaching out to them saying, hey, we've just realized we've neglected the well-being of our people. Um, so looking at, you know, creating well-being programs, introducing yoga into the, into, um, the workplace um, and all those sort of things. Some have been doing it for a while, but I think it's just turned the volume up a little bit louder on it, realising, hang on a minute, how can we support people in, across all aspects? So physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. So Yeah, well, I think that's always going to be the hardest one, trying to get that, again, spiritual aspect or I call it like subtle aspect of existence into the framework of corporation. Um, and once that happens, things will change quite significantly. See, I'm not against, I don't think that we should dismantle the structures of society. I think we should just improve on what we've got rather than try and tear it down. Um, I think that everything's there, it all serves a good 
purpose and has value and it's taken a long time to build it we should just you know evolve it rather than trying to like tear it down um and i think once you kind of make that shift of getting people to just acknowledge that and it's, it's actually the easiest thing to do you just can you can do it very quickly if you've got the right you know the right way to kind of just sit people down explain to them why exactly why you're doing it give them the experience it, it can actually happen very quickly yeah I, I agree i agree it's very much a lot of the work i do so i agree wholeheartedly with you um i want to I want to pan out again on something you said earlier in relation to some of the work you do now, where you said you, you know, you went from using drugs to now helping people, you know, recover from drug addiction. What's that work involved? What are you doing in that space? I was just, uh, cause I, my primary uh, thing that I've been doing recently is kind of my book, public speaking and, and teaching yoga and meditation. Um, and just one of the, teaching jobs that i had was working with a private drug rehabilitation facility so obviously with such a big drug problem globally now especially in australia it's huge um, the publicly funded systems are all strained so that's created a market for private um, private rehabilitation centers and i was just working uh, with one of them they the main thing that they work on is people coming off crystal meth heroin things like this so not just like minor like drug, these these people are generally up for incarceration or they've you know got pending trials and one of the things that people apply for is a change in circumstance which means and getting into a rehab program is is one of those things that can kind of help you negate having to go to jail um so that's primarily the, the, the primarily the people i've been working with and to put that into perspective um i could walk into that room some days um, and I would just be working them on a, on a once a week basis um, and I could walk into that room and not know who's going to be there on that day sometimes there would be three or four people sometimes there'd be ten I walk in with my man bun and look at you know walking with guys and they're looking at me like they want to kill me you know uh, like what's this wanker with the man bun you know going to tell us some of these guys could be only days of coming off years worth of drug use and so they're quite fragile nervous systems and quite fragile states and i'm you know i've been able to just sit down and i always relate to their you know them at their experience where they are at that time so it's having that background with my experience in drugs and alcohol always you know you, you can come and relate to them that's a big value um and i can yeah share a bit of my story but then get them into some gentle and you never i'm not teaching a yoga style let's come on get into this awkward shape it's very much about moving and uh, energy within the body releasing tension um and getting into the the, the subtle frameworks of, of energy and within i can do 20 30 minutes with them of, of very very basic stuff and they walk out wanting to give me a hug and know more about the practice and then they they can't wait for the next week so i've seen i've seen the value of it and the whole reason i wrote my story was because i came from that position of i wouldn't if somebody had told me all of this there's no way i would have believed them so i i knew that when i was writing my book and i kind of even knew it when i was going through these the experiences that i was going through ever from that healing session the stuff that i went through was 
insane. Like the, the, the kind of experiences that I had that go beyond any time, kind of rational expl ex explanation. Um, if I had, if I had have been told that I wouldn't have believed it. So I always knew that when I was writing, writing my book and um, I kind of wrote it as a, as a case study as, as in, Hey, here's, here's one example, but let's not just take my word for it. Can we go and find other people to apply these techniques to? And do we get similar results? Because if we do, we need to investigate this. Again, I come from a scientific background, so we need to explore this. We need to start getting real world um, proof. And I see the stuff that I've done in the drug rehabilitation as being, uh, you know, other examples of that. Yeah, beautiful. There's a lot of work being done just basically on what you're saying there. Um, a lot of work being done out of, I don't know which university, but out of this, out in America around how moving your body helps release PTSD symptoms, um, mm. which is, and they do recommend a lot of, for a lot of trauma treat, treatment, instead of going and seeing a psychologist and talking about your issue it's actually if you can move your body and they highly recommend yoga as one of the ways to help move through um, any sort of traumatic event and so forth and then if we look at the people that potentially you're working with there may be some form of trauma in the background in their life that's led them to where they are to be using you know drugs in the way that they do i don't know because everyone's individual but there could be some form of trauma that actually leads them to that so well, yeah it generally does stem from trauma. And when you say trauma, we always think of that as being something quite significant, but trauma can be as, a, a little, as little as something embarrassing happening to a six-year-old child that they just take on and they guard themselves for that for their whole life. And then that manifests into hundreds of different other stories. Um, but exactly on what you're talking about, again, my, my story highlights a whole other side of this as well. Um, exactly on what you're talking about, because um, having that shock of, one day going to work, the next day being diagnosed with a brain tumor, you know, and then all of a sudden 14 hour operation, intensive care. I also contracted meningitis. Um, and while I was trying to get over the meningitis, I contracted swine flu and had all these complications, nearly died a few times, was lucky to get out of hospital. So I was traumatized from that experience and I got diagnosed, I got diagnosed with clinical depression, PTSD, got put on insane amounts of pharmaceutical medication which was able to suppress those kind of horrible feelings of having those feelings of depression and but they they just numbed me and i spent like six months just on the couch like a vegetable and within taking up the the yoga and meditation not only did it eradicate all of that kind of pent-up fear and trauma from the from the operation and everything it started to clear the stuff that was already there that was the reason that i was doing drugs and alcohol in the first place it's like i chipped away the first layer and then i was like oh this is useful i understand this about myself so i went deeper and deeper and deeper and i got back to you know the roots of why i lived my life the way that i did and i did it in a very short amount of time 12 18 months Mm -hmm. In 12 or 18 months, I just underst I understood the trajectory and exactly what I was saying at the start, these little things, that, these little defining moments in my life that made me become more guarded towards the world and want to start protecting myself in, in a specific way. And I believe everybody's taking that to some extent. And we don't have the tools in Western culture to deal with those things. We're not taught them at a young age. 
Um, and that's why we end up in a situation where people kind of get to their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, and then they don't know, they have no idea what's wrong with them, what they're doing, and then they'll they'll beg somebody else for, to tell them what's wrong with them, and that'll always or usually come with a pharmaceutical solution, which will only, again, I'm not against those things because they can really help people in acute states and all that sort of stuff. I'm not anti, I'm not anti-medication or anti-Western um, medicine, um, but it can only take us so far. It can only, you know, it's great for trauma, it's great for acute symptoms, but treating the underlying root causes, not very good. Yeah. So I'd love to, and if you're willing to share, love to understand, because I think our listeners would probably benefit from some of the things that you uncovered through this work about some of the deeper causes from early on, because I think a lot of people go, oh yeah, whatever. Um, you've had stuff happen to you. We all have, but sometimes people don't re realize the subtleties of things that happen. And sometimes they are massive things that happen to us. And we go, oh yeah, it was because I was abused and sexually abused as a child. So yeah, I can see why I'm traumatized. And you mentioned before that sometimes there's even subtler things that you go, I thought I had a good childhood, but actually no, there was something. Are you willing to share some of the things that you uncovered that you noticed were part of the, part of the reason why you were using drugs while you were you know, living in the corporate life? Yeah, 100%. The first two chapters of my book is all about this, what happens. Oh, good. We don't have to read the book. We're going to hear it straight from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was, I, well, it was due to the relationship with my father was the root of, of what I was experiencing. Um, again, not to put him down or the life that he provided for us growing up was like, from a materialistic point of view. Um, you know, we were well cared for in that sense. We had a roof over our food on the table went to good schools growing up, um, but there was always a disconnection between him and I. And he had this sense of, you know, I do all this stuff for you kids and you don't appreciate it. But this, you know, we're five, six, seven years old, all these sort of things. And we're being told that we're ungrateful. And, you know, this, this just went on from a young age for me. And, you know, I was a very kind of active child and always getting up to mischief I wasn't a bad kid but I was always kind of like doing my own thing and I was never one to kind of bow down to authority I was always one to question things so I was always questioning my father and kind of like you know make it so that created a bit of a rift for us but he was quite cruel to me emotionally in that sense so when you talk about these things like yes it's very easy to quantify kind of physical abuse from a young age people that go through terrible things like that that's very easy to kind of extrapolate that out and see that but i actually think the the emotional aspects of things that happen they're the wounds that don't go treated you know and i i actually made this kind of correlation in my book i said you know if you get stabbed or you break a bone or something like this you can look at it and you go that's not right I need to go to the hospital. They'll have a protocol in place to have a, a physical fix for that. They'll stitch you up or reset the bone and, and send you on your way. The problem with emotional and mental trauma is it's not seen. So, and we also have, we're still just coming out of the phase of existence for humanity where most of it's kind of been like, you've got nothing to complain about. Just get on with it. You know, do what you're told sort of thing. Like, what have you got to complain about? And that was, again, very much like the, the mentality of my father. Like, you don't know how good you've got it. Da, 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 da. You should just kind of live the life that I'm, you know, I'm giving you. So that 
creates that frag like that sort of fragmented part of our existence of you know you from a young age you're already told that you you're not doing things properly or so you kind of like live your life trying to I, well i did anyway i live my life trying to avoid that and if you look at the insanity of it my my dad was a really successful uh financial banker uh, into the finance world and um big drinker big into gambling all these sort of things so i always had this mentality like oh i won't i won't end up anything like him and that was one of the reasons i ran off to the other side of the world because i just wanted to get as far away as i possibly could from him but then i end up working in like okay i got into it and all of this sort of stuff but i'm working in an investment bank you know like it's just and i just that was all part of my big realization as well how much i how much like growing up around that and developing i would almost call it a pure hatred for my father like this kind of deep underlying hatred for him and that was like the root of all of the kind of if you kind of um extrapolate like the way that we work out you know it's like those layers of abstraction you know at the root this is like my programming at the root of my programming this is kind of like something that's fundamentally broken within me and something that i didn't want to address or even look at you know what i mean so i would just spend that's why i kept myself so busy and just so crazy because the crazier that i was doing the like the less i would have to think or you know experience like that fundamental thing within me and when i started to realize all of that and kind of break it down i actually got to i remember the day i was in london i was just kind of going through my processes and things i just got to this realization of just like oh yeah like he didn't really do that because of me like he just did that because he's got that thing broken within himself and that's how he's manifesting that and he's just never been given the tools to address that and fix that and then as the moment i realized that i went oh i better be nicer to him sort of thing like i i just instantly felt compassion to him because i knew i then saw how that like that broken thing within me what that did to me within my life and how grateful i was that i was sort of put on a path to be able to fix that but then knowing that he's gone like an extra 30 40 years of his life not being able to fix that how incredibly sad that was and ever since like that on and i i then thought i'd be able to go through oh i can help him i can but it doesn't work it's not as simple as that <laughs> i even went back and and tried to live with him after i and but it just you know it doesn't work this simple way like he may never have those realizations in this lifetime and i also learned that that's cool too you know like that doesn't mean that i have to be impacted by that pain anymore um but yeah it's i mean there's obviously a lot more to it than that there's a lot more depth to it but that's kind of trying to wrap it up and and baseline it but that's definitely i mean there was other things in 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 life that happened but they still all stem from that lack of trust you know the very much then one when people you know like friends do things that kind of hurt you or break the trust in a, or or relationships and again i'm not saying i'm perfect i did that to other people too but you know what i mean those things add up and add up and add up but they all have that same sort of root you know mm. they're all those same sort of very basic roots and and once i kind of gave that like that compassion to my father it actually just rippled on to everything else I got no hang-ups about anybody in my life people that I would have ha- could could have potentially held grudges against until the day that I die it's just I don't even it's it's you know what I mean it's just not even there anymore 
and that's freeing you know it's to be free of having any gripes or hang-ups on things and and even letting go of things that were like that i never thought i would have been able to let go of you know just give us give us some examples of those things that you thought you'd never be able to let go of i got one big one and it's pretty full on probably in the depths of my um insanity when i was using a lot of drugs probably you know heavy drug and alcohol use about four or five nights a week um but in the corporate world like so it wasn't like i was um sitting at home and getting high it was just you're in london you can go out any night of the week and nobody bats an eyelid it's 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 part of the culture um yeah so i'm just like four or five nights a week out and i think you always meet the rel you know the people you always law of attraction right you always meet the people um that you, you you that are kind of like you as you're going through things or all the ones that will show you certain things and i ended up getting in this relationship with a, a girl and she was like this the, the, the feminine version of me and we had this crazy crazy relationship that um i've always been a, i've always had that sense of like caring i've always cared about people i've always had that sense of compassion within me and really valued friendships and relationships and things like this. And I, I cared about this girl immensely and I was really hung up on her. But yeah, there were some things that happened in that relationship that really, really affected me and really hurt me. And we ended, um, we ended up one night in a pretty crazy situation and had a physical altercation and ended up, it's, it's in my book, I don't want to go too much into it, but it, it ended up, I got arrested for it and all this sort of stuff. I, I was the one who ended up because the police will always side with the woman. I don't, I don't know. Like that's, that was the way that it seemed to me. Like I felt like I didn't even have a chance of getting my thing across because they took her side of the story, which was absolutely fabricated. And I ended up going to court and all that. And the truth ended up coming out and I was cleared of everything and all that, but it was, it took, it was a long process. And I was livid about that, you know? I was absolutely livid about it because not just the, the, how much it broke my heart, but just the sense of injustice with like everything that spilled on from that. And it messed with me for a long time. Like I thought about it a lot and um, it definitely had a huge impact of how my life played out after that and, and all those sorts of things. Um, but again, and, and I never thought I would have even been able to speak to that girl again. And again, after this kind of real, I was happy to talk to her and say, hey, like, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, let's resolve it and ha have no hard feelings towards anything like that again. So that's probably like one of the more extreme examples of going through something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I'd much rather be in the position of, having let that go then still hanging on to it and because i can see how easy it would be to kind of have that in the background and see how much that would influence any future relationship and all those if i keep that hang up if i keep that hang up that means you know in the next relationship i meet and as soon as something feels a little bit off then you have that defense mechanism you don't take things for how they actually are you're taking them for how you're hung up on the past rather than mm. just treating something for how it actually is so again, there's so much benefit in being able to really heal the wounds, not only within yourself, if you then can go in and, and, and make amends and heal it in the other person, knock-on effect is huge. And you're changing like the karmic aspect of reality then. 
it's very beneficial for the the balance of the universe without getting too woo woo. <laughs> I don't want to go too down. You're not getting woo woo to me, but some of our listeners might go, "What are you talking about? What are you guys smoking on this episode?" Um, but yeah, um, I love what you're saying there around you know, this ability for us to let things go. So being on a similar journey where I've had a lot of stuff happen to me in my life and I don't carry any of it with me. So I imagine if I was, I'd be walking around now with a metaphorical backpack on my back full of heavy weights and it just makes life hard to to move through with all of these things. So, you know, in your case, if you had if you're still carrying all those stones and rocks from every everything your father had ever said to you and every resentment around that that girlfriend and all the things that you've done, if they were in a backpack on your back, and they'd really weigh you down. So how can you live a, a fulfilled life and really embrace, you know, being human? Um, so I really resonate with what you're saying there. And I think it's a, a beautiful a beautiful lesson for us all, but it's not easy for everyone to understand how to let those, let those things go because we think sometimes that, well, I believe this, if we letting it go and moving forward, we're actually condoning sometimes what the other person did um, in some yeah. instances. And yeah, that comes- and we, yeah, it's the hardest thing to, yeah, to kind of ex- acceptance of, of the situation is probably the hardest mm-hmm. thing. And I think it comes with, and you've mentioned on this, mentioned this as well, is the, the levels of, you know, your level of awareness as your awareness grows and you have the ability to see things from other perspectives, like you view, you viewed your father through compassion. That's a different lens than how you used to view him. And that just, that see that everything is so different. You can only do that through self-awareness. You need to be aware that you could have the ability to flip your lenses and some people don't know how to do that. So it's a really beautiful, beautiful story that you have there. And I'm, I'm hoping our listeners can see a little bit of themselves in your experiences and see that, you know, we can, we can move forward. And one of the things that um, we mentioned in your bio was that, you know, you, I'm just going to read it out here. Um, so now you're teaching how yoga and meditation play a key part in self-transformation and optimizing human potential. Can you just share, and we're going to finish up, can you just share what you believe optimizing human potential is for you? What does that mean? Well, it spills on directly what you're talking about there with awareness. If you're not really aware of what you're fully capable of, how can you extract it from yourself? So you, people that don't, and that's the, the three parts when we talk about yoga, we're talking about three aspects of existence and you can fundamentally say that's the mind, that's the body and the container of that, which is the awareness. So you can sit down and go, I've got a mind, I've got thoughts, I've got physical sensations in my body, but they're all contained in the same space of awareness. So that's what you're trying to do with yoga is to just bring that into a more harmonized state. And as soon as you, because people live either very mentally, very mental lives, very much just in their own thoughts and that's the way that they project and, and, and view life to be or you have people that live very physically and then you'll have people that live very spiritually and it's not beneficial to live spiritually and not have the balance of, you know, all these things is a very fine balancing act. And once you tap into the state of awareness, you start to open so much more up in terms of just what's accessible to us in the experience of life through, because that's the thing, in intellectualizing things and having knowledge without having that learned wisdom of experience is, it's not the most valuable thing that we have. 
experience and and self-understanding is so valuable because then once once you have that you you understand really what what you're capable of so from my own perspective i took up i I went from being in my literal deathbed to being in a wheelchair to learning how to walk again and i did that in about six months but then six months after i took up the the practice of kundalini yoga meditation six months only after having learned to walk again I ran seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. So if you don't see that as a extracting more potential out of myself, um, I mean, I was always a person that would have had ability to do something like that, but I doubt I ever would have done it without having that awareness of and that knowing and that trust within myself to know, hey, I can actually do this, you know, and that's where I see the potential. So through awareness, you actually do see more of your potential. What is the like the realistic state of your potential and can you actually go and live that i'm not saying it's some magic quick fix like sit down hold this posture and breathe this way and you're going to go and solve the world's problems more of the sense of no you'll probably uncover something about yourself that will require a little bit more work you know through that process you'll then learn how to adapt that to other situations that come up against you in life and we don't live in an easy world this is a hard life to navigate um, but if you've got if you've got more tools in your arsenal, like the more awareness you have about how the world works, the easier it is to navigate. Mm. And if you're if we live in this kind of narrow view of I know how the world is, I think this way, other people should think this way too, it's going to cause problems for you. Because as soon as you come against somebody that ha- that thinks differently to you, you've got a problem. You, you know what I mean? And if you don't have that fundamental understanding of oh, that person's living their way because they've had those experiences and they're very different to mine. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the fundamental essence of who we are, we're both just trying to do the same thing and that's just live our lives. The moment that you can start to tap into that aspect of your existence is the moment that life starts to get easier. Mm. And not in the sense of everything's just going to start happening for you. There'll just be less resistance and less friction against yourself. Once you have less friction against yourself, you just stop having less friction with other people. Absolutely. So that, that's, that's where the potential of being human really lies in just self-understanding. And it seems so simple because it actually is. And it doesn't take anything more than just spending a bit of time each day to sit down and turn awareness inwards. And it doesn't have to be any sort of special technique or anything. You can just do it right now. You can sit down, close your eyes and just watch. Like I was saying, that energy healer told me, just sit back and watch. Just watch what's happening within your framework of existence and just chill out, you know. Just watch it for a moment and just see how that makes you feel. And if watching your thoughts makes you feel uncomfortable, you've got work to do. You know what I mean? If you can't just sit down and close your eyes, I always, I know we're wrapping up, but I always liken it to this kind of analogy. How easy is it for people to sit down and watch hours of Netflix? how much human potential gets wasted through YouTube and Netflix alone, for example, but you tell somebody to go and sit down and shut their eyes. They can't do it for five minutes. And this is the most incredible piece of machinery known to man. And you can't sit down and just close your eyes and appreciate it for five minutes before it makes you feel uncomfortable. I question why that is. Mm. And, and that's a that's a beautiful question for people to ponder, I think. Mm. Um, 
I do have a, a final sort of question for you. If you think about what you've experienced to date, and I know there's more wisdom ahead of you, but from what you've experienced, would there be any, and I use this term lightly, advice or recommendations, and it might even just carry on from what you've just said now, to our listeners that could, that you would recommend that they might just start doing something quite simple so that they may be able to start to tap into some of that human potential? Yeah, it will always, always be dependent on the individual. Start with what you can start with that's um, logic, uh, you know, and, and realistic, logical and realistic, because I've had to learn this myself recently as a teacher, because I come from a very extreme background or extreme sports as a kid. I'm not the sort of guy that just goes and runs a marathon or anything like that or goes for a 5K. I want to run, you know, seven mar- or a 100K race or all these sorts of things. You don't do things so by halves. No, so I, when I started teaching, I kind of taught that way. Like, you've got to get up at four o'clock in the morning like me, take a cold shower, sit on the mat for three hours. No, if it's 10 minutes to find your starting point because it will evolve from there. So you're going to create more of a resistance in people that are, you know, that are doing nothing and trying to make them do three hours. You know, so start with the 10 minutes. And again, I, I would never give a recommendation of um, even anything like, go and do kundalini yoga, go and do the, because that's what's worked for me. But I know for a fact it doesn't work for everyone. And that's why we have all these different modalities, you know, whether it's energy healing, whether it's yoga, whether it's this meditation or that meditation, there's a vast spectrum of that because everybody's so different. But it's important to go and find the things that have some sort of resonance, you know, like you might try a few different things. Oh, that's not for me. Then don't feel like you've, you know, you're doing something wrong because somebody's recommended something to you. You know how you get all these people and they have good intent. Oh, you've got to go and try X, Y, Z because it's the best thing I've ever done. You should do it too. And then you go and try and you're like, eh, what's wrong with me? I didn't really get too much from that. So if you get that, you just sort of go, all right, that didn't work for me. I'll wait till see what the next. And then when something clicks, then explore it. But also find the balance between that. You don't want to be spending your whole life one thing to the next there's a lot of value in finding something and then seeing it through for a long period of time because i think that's a huge thing that we've lost in humanity now we've we've forgotten that to create change and to make things happen it requires time effort discipline all these sorts of things you know because we live this fixed quick culture with our phones and if we want an answer to something our brains are getting wired to like oh there's the answer there's the answer and it's actually stopped us to to remember that oh like we're meant to dedicate our lives to something you know like i I see now that that's what i'm going to dedicate i want to make a difference in mental health and and addiction and i tried and when i did my first few years i was like oh this is really hard and i could have seen how i could quite easily give give up but i'm like oh no well if this takes me another 30 40 years and i only make a small dent in it then i've done good you know rather than going oh that's too hard maybe i'll go and try and find something that's easier to do And then, oh, shit, that's even hard. Oh, the next thing. So it's about finding that balance. Don't just keep skipping from one thing to the next. Find something and try to find that balance between it being, you know, what's comfortable and what's too much discomfort, you know. Find a little area where it takes you a bit out of your comfort zone, but not maybe too far that, you know, you'll do it for two weeks and then never want to see it again. So balance. Like always find that balance with what you're doing. And just stay true to like a certain trajectory and realize that things like no matter what path you take, 
you're going to get knocked off it at points. And that's actually the exciting time because that's when you really show if you're dedicated to something. And that's where you so, get to use the tools that you've developed and put in your yeah, toolbox well, that, the that, whole time. Like they're nice to have them, but if you never use them, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I've actually had a realization of that myself recently. I've, you know, I've done all these thousands of hours of meditation and all of this. And I went into this uh, 10 day silent meditation retreat recently. And the big thing that, you know, how you come away with from those things with big, like, Oh, I didn't know that before. Mine was like, I haven't, I've done so much work that I haven't applied enough of it to real life experience. I have applied some, but I need to do more. I need to do actually less of that stuff, like less meditation, less yoga. And I need to do more action in the world. And that's what I got from that. And I've actually been transitioning from that over the last six months. So Beautiful. just less, less time of kind of dedicating to my own. Cause I've kind of healed myself. Like I could do so much more healing on myself, but I think I'll get more healing on myself by helping, like by taking what I've learned already and going and helping others because I'll learn more through that. Mm -hmm. Now I've like, I've learned enough about myself that I'm confident enough to go out and do that with other people now. And I have to, I have to actually learn how to apply that now. And that's kind of where I am at the moment. Yeah, beautiful. I'd see a metaphor came to me of, you know, the universe has handed you this toolbox of all these amazing tools and you're sitting there on them and all you're doing is playing in the backyard. You're not building stuff. You're not building shit with your tools. Go out there and build stuff now. Um, yeah, I, so, I, that's beautiful. That's a perfect way to summarize it. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, just sitting there looking at your tools and keeping them all to yourself. Now go out there, build a build a school, build something with the tools that you have, right? So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for you then as this all unfolds. It's been an absolute delight chatting with you. So if people would like to get a hold of you, um, get hold of your book, um, follow you on social media, how do they do that? Everything I've got at the moment is branded under the title of my book, which is Kundalini Running. So all my socials um, and website for the book is just all self uh, self through that brand. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going through a branding and marketing uh, thing at the moment. I'm going to have a just a dougwilson.com.au branded website, probably um, mid-June-ish. And I've also got um, a YouTube channel that I've just started for that exact thing. I'm trying to share the tools through the YouTube channel now. And that channel is the science and yoga of meditation. Yeah, beautiful. So hopefully I'll get it all. It's a bit dispersed at the moment, but I'm hopefully going to try and just get it all into that Doug Wilson, like .com brand. Um, otherwise, at the moment, just look at the Kundalini running stuff. Yeah, thank you. And I highly recommend people do that. It's been an absolute delight uh, chatting with you. Um, and I'm absolutely certain that our listeners will be taking away some nuggets from what your from your journey and and some of your wisdom, because wisdom is things where you know you've applied uh, some of these techniques in your life and got some results. Thank you so much, and um, hopefully we'll we'll see you again soon. Today is turning into the most curious adventure I have ever had.